0: Tonight we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 24 really taking a transition. As I titled this, uh, chapter 24 and the title for the overall message is the same, A Bride for Isaac. And so in these two chapters, we find that Isaac is beginning to come to the forefront in scripture. And in reality, his story is, Brief in comparison to that of those we have met prior to this, like Adam and Noah and Abraham especially, and his son Jacob and Joseph, his grandson, will play significant roles from here on out in the book of Genesis. We'll pick up with Jacob and Esau's story by the end of chapter 25, And it's not a one chapter for Isaac and he's done, he'll be around a bit, but his story is a little bit calmer than that of the life of Abraham and that of the life of Joseph. We'll see that as we go through it. But no matter, he was a man who walked in accordance to the word of God, who was given prophecy the Abrahamic covenant passed on to Isaac. We'll see that not tonight, but the Lord will pass on the covenant to Isaac. And so all in all, even though scripturally there may not be as much information about Isaac as some of the others that we have met like Abraham and we'll meet like Joseph and Jacob. He was faithful to carry the torch of faith that the Lord had given him in his time and to pass that torch on to his son and to his children and to his descendants. But before he can uh, pass on any torch to his descendants, he needs to have a wife and he needs to have a son, as scripture will tell us tonight. And he'll get a bonus. He not only has one son, but two it begins with a bride for Isaac in Genesis 24. I put down as a couple of key verses for Genesis 24 and verses 3 and 4, where actually Abraham was speaking to his servants. And he said, I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, But you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my son, Isaac. These two verses right here, Abraham instructing his head servant to go fetch a wife for Isaac. It's really a a stand of faith that we're going to look at tonight. And so we're going to see that for Isaac, it wasn't just any bride would do. Abraham's instruction is given to us. I read two of those verses already. I'm going to go ahead and read one through four. Ask God to bless the teaching of his word. And we'll get into God's word together tonight. Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my son, Isaac. So Lord, once again, we desire to be open to the teaching of your word this evening, that which the Spirit would. Wants to say to this church this evening, Lord, you know our needs, you know our hearts, you know the words that we need to hear. We pray, Father, that for just the next hour we'd get lost in the counsel of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I pray that in like that, we get lost in the counsel of God's word because I kind of experience that often when I'm teaching in the pulpits. Uh, There's a point when I'm teaching in the pulpit that my concentration is upon the word of God and and kind of the cares of this life kind of strip away and I get into this focus into God's word. I love it. Now I'm still aware of what's going on. I see people uh, when they get up to go leave the sanctuary to go to the bathroom and come back in or if there's a cough or distraction, I have all that going on. But in teaching the word of God, I often experience just that, well, the place I love to be the best, I believe, just immersed in God's word. And he can do that in listening to his word as well. So it was after the death of Sarah. And with Isaac, he's nearing 40 years old at this point. And Abraham decided, you know what, it's time for... Isaac to take a bride well I know they lived longer back then but getting around 40 years old I'm thinking I think so it is about time but the culture of that day was for parents to arrange the marriage of their children and thus Abraham called his oldest servant we might have met him in Genesis 15 2 his name there is Eliezer we Can't be sure if this is the same servant. Uh, Eliezer could have died by this time. And another servant is ruling over Abraham's household for him, administering the household for him. So the name is not given to us. That is not what is important in this text. But he did cause this man to swear that he would not take a wife for Isaac from the Canaanites, Abraham said, in whose land I have dwelt, He'd been dwelling there for close to 50 years. They'd been there for a long time. And what happens when foreigners go to another country, quite often they will get merged in with the country itself and they will not hold their individuality as people from another country. Of course, we're talking about Abraham, who is birthing a nation through his descendants. But he wanted to make sure that Isaac's bride came from his own country, from his own family. And so it was Abraham's desire that his bride would come from his extended family from Mesopotamia. It really reminds us of the importance of being equally yoked together. The Bible tells us and warns us in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? Well, the obvious answer to these questions is none. No fellowship with the righteous and the lawlessness. No communion with light and darkness. And it's a reminder, and we think of that often as we're looking at marriage tonight, of that passage speaking about marriage, but really it can talk about our friends that we might have that can talk about business partnerships that we might form and especially the marriage relationship as well. For those who do not know what a yoke is, Paul reminds us, don't be unequally yoked. Well, a yoke was a, a wooden cross piece, a, a device that was made and actually shaped to the shoulders the back of two animals oxen we might say and you know just like here in the in our world today no two people exactly alike no two animals exactly alike these yokes would be made to fit the animals in order that they could pull straight plow straight pull a cart straight two oxen that are properly yoked together would allow the fields to be plowed with straight furrows. And yet, when we yoke ourselves with unbelievers, whether we're talking about dating or marriage or business partnerships, maybe certain clubs or fraternities, we create a mixture that can never truly be united. And so just a, a caution there that we find in the Word of God. Well, the servant's quest, in verses 5 through 9, we read, The servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you. And you shall take a wife from my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Now I get it. I get it. The whole hand under the thigh thing is something that is not even done, especially here in the United States. But it was a matter of swearing a solemn oath to an individual in Abraham's day. And I'm sure Abraham, if he was uh, seeing how we do things today, he would kind of think, well, that's kind of strange. Just as we look back in Scripture and think, hand under a thigh to swear an oath, that's kind of strange. Well, it's just a matter of the customs of their time. But it was a solemn oath, and it was something that Only by the refusal of the woman, whatever bride he would fetch, if she refused to come, only by her refusal would this servant be out of the contract, left off the hook, we might say. Now I was thinking about Abraham not wanting his son to go back to the world that Abraham had come out of. And it really initially caused me to think about Lot. Remember, we've went through the Accounts of lots, how Abraham gave him the choice of the land, and he looked over the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, and it reminded him of Egypt, and how beautiful and lush it was, and he picked that location, which was really just years away from God's destroying hand upon it. But he saw the allurements of the world, and he desired it. But how did he know about these allurements? Well, he had been to the land of Egypt and Sodom and Gomorrah reminded him of the land of Egypt. It could be that Abraham did not want his son to return to Mesopotamia because he wanted to protect him from experiencing the allurements of the world from which God had called Abraham out of. That should be something we should desire for our children as well that we should uh, raise them up in such a way that they don't fall into the same traps that Satan had control over our own lives and the Lord had freed us from. We don't want to see our children repeat our own mistakes. Second Peter 2.20 tells us, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again entangle themselves and are overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So it could be that Abraham simply didn't want to see his son Isaac entangled in the allurements and experience of the world that he had been freed from. Abraham, for Isaac, said he needs to stay in the land. And this will come up again. In fact, um, Isaac will exit the land. We'll read about that in a later chapter. But Jacob, or at that, by that time, his name being Israel, when Joseph sends for him to bring him to the land of Egypt, we will discover that Jacob first stops. He prays and he asks the Lord, is this really where you want me to go? He was willing to go if the Lord's hand was in it, but he was unwilling to leave the land of promise if God was not with him and so this issue of returning back to the world we might say Egypt in scripture is always the picture of the world it will come up again here in the book of Genesis so we have a lot of reading to do in the fetching of Isaac's bride this is a long chapter and I'm going to read a lot of the chapter for you and then make commentary on that but first Getting a bride for Isaac, well, it's really a story of great faith. And as I was thinking about this, first we see the faith of Abraham, who when questioned by his servant concerning the willingness of Isaac's future bride, whether she would return with the servant or not, kind of a male order bride situation, although not by mail, if you understand, but by maybe we should say a camel-ordered bride, That will be part of the story. Well, Abraham's response, he said, God will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my sons. Abraham was uh, confident that God would go before his servant and would be in this choosing of a bride for his son, Isaac. We also see the faith of the servant who prepared all the things for his journey in verses 10 and 11. The servant took ten of his master's camels and departed for all his master's good were in his hand. He arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when the women go out to draw water. So a pretty long journey for him to get to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Abraham's brother is Nahor. And so the city is not named Nahor, but it's where Nahor lived. But he was willing to do what his master had called him to do. In fact, he made preparations for his journey by not only bringing ten camels, but many goods that were with him as well, as we shall see. And then we find... Once Abraham's servant arrived in the city of Nahor, before he did anything else, he prayed a very detailed prayer for God's direction. Now Abraham had promised him, God's angel will go before you, and this is what he prays. We're going to read verses 12 through 15. O God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold... Here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young women to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master." And it happened before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. So a very detailed prayer that he prayed. He said, Lord, here I'm at the city well, the daughters of the city are coming out to draw water. And he went into this elaborate scheme of not only would I ask for water, but the one who would give water to me that she would also offer to water the camels as well. We'll get back to the watering of the camels in a few minutes. So we're introduced here to Rebecca, the first time she's mentioned. Her family actually is named for us in Genesis 22, verse 23. It's kind of an introduction as that chapter was closing out. But now we meet her. Her name, we might not get this, but her name means um, Rope Noose, Rope Noose. And the Bible tells us in verse 16 that she was very beautiful to behold. So that name, Rebecca or Rope Noose, the thought behind it is that she was so stunning that she could ensnare men by her beauty and now we see that rebecca's great faith is also displayed through her willingness to go later on as we read here the accounts of the choosing of isaac's bride in verses 16 through 61 we're going to see rebecca's great faith through her willingness to go with abraham's servant to become the wife of a man whom she had never seen Let's read the accounts. It tells us in verse 16, and I'm going to go ahead and just read from 16 to 61. Now, the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for his camels, all his camels, scripture says. And the man wondered at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And so it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel, two bracelets for a wrist weighing ten shekels of gold, and he said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feet enough and room to lodge. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And so the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to meet the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, When he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me. And when he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well, he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for your camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels, water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat. And so this is Abraham's servant again. I will not eat until I've told about my errand. And so he said, speak on. So Abraham's servant said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds. Silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whom, whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house, to my family, take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. And he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel to you, prosper you on the way, and she'll take a wife from my son, from my family and from my father's house. And you will be cleared of this oath when you arrive from among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day, and this is his now He's told the story of how he got there, and now he gives a little personal testimony of what happened with him. I just have to break for a moment and, and tell you how important it is to be able to share our personal testimonies with others. Now, we always want to rely upon the truth of the Word of God and the things that we learn in Scripture, but our personal testimony becomes that place of application personal application that we can share with others that they too also might have faith. And so this is the servant's personal story here where he said, And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when the virgins come out to draw water, I say to her, "Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink." And she says to me, "Drink, and I will draw for your camels also." Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, so it was a silent prayer. We get a clue there. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. She went down to the well and drew water and I said to her, please give me a drink. And she made haste and she let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, drink and I will also give your camels drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, you're going to get this one down, Nahor's son whom Milcah bore to him. It's like the third time we've heard that phrase. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord, and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, whom he had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now he's given testimony that God has led him on his journey in the way of truth right where he needed to be. And I had spoken several chapters ago a number of times that Abraham had become an unashamed worshiper of God in a foreign land, there in the land of promise. And now we discover that his servant has followed his master in this and he worshipped the Lord. He became an unashamed worshiper of God, again in a foreign land, a foreigner in a foreign land, worshipping a God that... Many in that land did not know. Verse 49, we pick up again. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master and tell me, if not, tell me that I may turn to the right or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, Well, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife. As the Lord has spoken, verse 52, it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. He once again, he shared about how he had worshiped. Now he's going to worship before them. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, clothing, gave them to Rebecca. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed the night. Then they arose in the morning and said, send me on my way to my master. And her brother and mother said, let the young woman stay with us at least a few days, at least 10. After that, she may go. And he said to them, verse 56, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me on my way that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. So they called Rebekah and said, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Oh, sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camel and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. (laughs) Probably one of the longer sections of scripture that I've read from the pulpit in a while. But I'd like us to consider the individuals that we've learned about, three of them, Abraham's servant, Rebekah, and her brother Laban. Abraham's servant was an obedient man who endeavored to fulfill his master's desire to find a wife for Isaac. He was also, we learned, a praying man. Now it could be that Abraham's servant had been praying from the promised land to Mesopotamia. But all we have is the prayer that he gave when he arrived at the city of Nahor, when he prayed and asked the Lord to do a miraculous thing, with a young virgin that was coming out to draw water for her people. We also find that he was a worshiper of God, as recorded twice, and he shared it once, that he worshipped God in a foreign land and how important it is to worship the Lord in this way. First, he worshipped when he discovered the young woman who had given him the water and the water for the camels, that she was the granddaughter of Nahor, Abraham's brother. And then he worshiped after Laban gave permission for Rebekah to return with him to become Isaac's wife. Mission accomplished. That's what he was thinking. I mean, he had to get her back, but he had a bride for Isaac, and he praised God for it. You know, the Bible teaches this one thing about uh, several things, but this one thing about Stuart, it's so important. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are stewards of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in Stuart's that one should be found faithful, and Abraham's servant is a man who is found faithful. Now, consider Rebecca. She kept herself pure in preparation for her marriage union. She was also strong, hardworking, and a servant to others, willing to help others, even to give water to a stranger. She not only gave the man a drink, but she said, I'll also give your camels a drink as well. And if you'd noticed when I was reading through that passage, the camels drank until they were finished. So I was wondering, maybe you have wondered this before, just how much can a camel drink? Well, I looked this up, and I found it in several different places, so I think we're pretty good on this. A typical camel can drink 53 gallons of water in three minutes. A less thirsty camel might drink 20 to 30 gallons of water in 10 minutes. 10 camels would be a minimum of 200 gallons of water, which would be to the maximum 530 gallons that Rebecca, she drew water from the well that the camels could drink their fill. That's a lot of work. And uh, in all that work, remember the servant watched her in amazement? Well, it was an unmistakable sign from the Lord that this was the one. So she kept herself pure She was strong, hardworking, a servant to others, willing to serve others. She was hospitable. She opened up their home to Abraham's servant to lodge there. She knew that he was a generous man in giving this gold nose ring and two bracelets. She did not know his quest or the impact that that quest would have upon her life but she trusted in God's divine plan for her life as seen for her willingness to immediately go with Abraham's servant. The very next day she was on her way. And Rebecca understood that there was no texting, no emails, no FaceTime. She might never see her family again on this earth. And yet she was willing to follow the plan of God for her life. Now Laban, I I think personally he was introduced to us here. He comes back later in the story. We have our first introduction of Laban, but he'll play a significant role in the life of Rebekah's son Jacob. In Genesis 29, we'll begin to unpack that story with Laban and we'll find that he is really a schemer. Personally, I feel that Laban saw the nose ring and the golden bracelets on his sister's wrist. And he thought, man, if somebody's giving away gold and silver, I want in on this. And he headed out to greet the man and to bring him into their home. We will find that Laban, he did receive some gifts of his own, but later on, he will become a significant part of the life of Rebekah's son, Jacob. So 62 to 65, Isaac receives his bride. Now Isaac came from the way of Ber-Lahai-Rohi, for he dwelt in the south, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. He lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and there the camels were coming. And then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and she saw Isaac. She dismounted from her camel, and she said to The servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. So uh, recounting the whole story that I read to you from verses 16 to 61, he recounts everything. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Upon hearing how God worked through Abraham's servant, his prayer for the right bride, how he worshiped God, who had given him success there in Mesopotamia, Isaac took Rebekah into his, his mother's tent, this no doubt a very special place to him. And she became his bride, his wife there. No doubt he had heard of her willingness to follow, to give a thirsty man a drink of water to water the camels, her willingness to be a mail-order bride in a sense. And yet he had not yet seen her face. She had veiled herself, as was their custom then. But what is most important, he took her not only to be his wife, but the Bible tells us that he loved her. In Western cultures, couples fall in love. They fall in love with one another, which often is followed by marriage. In Eastern cultures, they practice arranged marriages, like we're reading about tonight, where love usually comes second. They meet one another, they're married, And then love comes later. But no matter the culture, whether we're talking about Western culture or Eastern culture, love must be continually cultivated to make a marriage strong. 1 Peter 3, verses 5 and 6, Peter gives an example of Sarah and Abraham saying, For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, whose daughter you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So the story of Isaac receiving his bride is a great picture of our own relationship with Jesus Christ. Like Abraham who sent his servant to find a bride for Isaac, God sent the Holy spirit to draw us to Jesus. Therefore, we become like Rebecca who willingly becomes the bride of the man whom we have never seen. Just like Rebecca did with Isaac. As believers, we have become the bride of Christ and even though we have not seen him, we willingly come to him and we love him. Again, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know what? I'm going to just cut it off right there tonight. We've had a lot of scripture, but some very important things that we learned tonight in finding a bride for Isaac. We have seen a man of faith. Now, ultimately, Abraham is that supreme example of faith and has been since chapter 12 in the book of Genesis. But here in chapter 24, we discover that Abraham's faith has helped others to have a like-minded faith. His head servant was a man of faith who prayed to the Lord God Of Abraham, who had really a a tremendous prayer. You know, I was talking with our granddaughter and our future grandson-in-law. That's hard for me to say, but it's going to come. We're talking on Sunday night, and they were talking about confirmation and praying and some decisions that they had made. So It reminded me of a story that I'm going to share with you right now, which probably changed the course of our lives. Sometime after my dad had passed away in the late 1980s, uh, we were living in Zion, Illinois. We had a house over there that was built in 1923. I discovered this in the remodeling process of that house. In one of the windows that I took out, they had painted on the inside the name of the original owners and the date that that window frame was made. So I was able to kind of zero in on the date of the home. But, you know, this is mid eighties. It was built in 1923. It needed some work and we had decided that we were going to live there. It, It was a lot and a half. It had an extra wide lot, pretty deep lot. So it was a nice place in town. And, uh, we went for a loan, and we were going to add on, put a master bedroom, extend the kitchen, do some number of things that we desired to do. And the loan process proved difficult. So somewhere in the slow process of this loan, Lolly and I prayed about it, and we actually set a date. And we set a date and said, Lord... If this loan does not come through by such a date, then we feel that you are closing this door and we will not go through it. You have something else in mind. And the date came and we hadn't heard from the loan officer. So we felt that it was a done thing. God had closed the door and we were fine with that. We didn't know what the next step was, but we were willing to discover And explore a next step well just probably just a little bit after that date the loan officer called and said I got it done I got your money (laughs) and I said well we don't want it now and he's like what do you mean you don't want it now I worked on this and I said but you don't understand we prayed about this and we set a date and you didn't respond before this date so We feel that God has something else in store for us. The something else in store for us was to actually remodel the house as it was, sell it, and move to California in order that I could go to the school of ministry. If we would have gotten the middle of a, a loan and remodeling the house, I don't know if I would have ever went to the school of ministry. But we prayed a detailed prayer, and so it's okay to do that. And once we saw the timeline expire in that detailed prayer, we determined that God had a different plan, much like Abraham's servant, who prayed a detailed prayer, but in his case, that prayer was answered. Sometimes God will open the door that we pray for. Other times God will close the door. But we must be faithful to walk the path that God sets before us, whether the door opens or closed. We also met Rebecca and her willingness, a hard worker, a servant to others, kind, generous, offering water. Can you imagine going to a well and watering camels that could drink up to 53 gallons of water apiece? Uh, 10 camels, 53, get your math out. Don't use the new math, but the old math, I'll give it a quick one, 530 gallons of water. That's a lot of work, but she was willing to do it. She was rewarded for it, but what was more important, her willingness to follow God's plan for her life. And we don't even know, other than the stories that she had heard about Abraham We don't even know how much of an influence the God of Abraham had in that family's life. We do know that Laban's daughter, Rachel, would have foreign gods that she would take with her back to the promised land. And so we do know that they worshipped other gods there in Mesopotamia, but she was willing to follow the God of Abraham like the servant did as well. Well, I hope that you're willing to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ, because Abraham's story is part of the story of Christ. For God had said to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, and in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That blessing comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The work that Jesus did on the cross, his death, burial, burial, resurrection is ascension to the right hand of the father and the truth that jesus is coming back again one day until that day there is opportunity for repentance to be part of the family of god and here on wednesday evenings we've been rehearsing the abcs of salvation and the a speaks about admitting to god that we are sinners and to ask for his forgiveness romans 3:23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god but First John one nine, I love this verse. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to admit to God that we are sinners. Second, we need to believe. We need to believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection from the grave, his ascension into heaven. Believe that he is coming again. But know that this gift of salvation, according to Romans 5, 8, is a demonstration of God's own love toward us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the sea is for confession. We need to not only confess to God our sins and believe in his son, Jesus, but confess our faith to others our faith in Jesus Christ to others. Don't be ashamed that you trust in Jesus. For the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're listening on the radio tonight, broadcast at a later time, watching through social media, if you have questions, please email us at CCLV, stands for Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, CCLV at Comcast.net, CCLV at Comcast.net. This coming Sunday, we are continuing our study in the book of Revelation, Lord willing, we'll be in Revelation chapter 11. I titled this, Two Witnesses, and we look forward to being with you, either here at the church, live on Facebook, or through WLGS Radio. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for a time of worship tonight in the middle of the week, a time to look into your word, to see a servant obediently endeavor to fulfill his master's desire, but... This servant's trust in you, the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Help us to be such servants ourselves, Lord. May it be that we would be such stewards that we too are found faithful. May we have the heart of Rebecca who is willing to give a stranger a drink of water and to water his animals, but also to follow the call of God upon her life. Lord, in our life, in all of our lives, Lord, you open and you close doors. Help us to be attentive to those doors. Sometimes, Lord, we try to force our way into doors that you have closed. Other times, Lord, we refuse to walk through an open door that you've set before us. So help us be attentive because the plans that you have for each of us, Lord, they are more than we could possibly imagine. Once again, Lord, I pray for those who are sick and infirmed and suffering. May the God of peace be upon their lives this very hour. Holy Spirit, send your healing touch upon them. Wash over them and cleanse them with your healing power. We look tonight for victory, and our victory is found in Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.